everybody. Welcome to the Just Joe Podcast. This one's going to be two parts, my friends. So this is episode 14. You also hear episode 15. Um, this one gets pretty deep, man. I bring in my good buddy, Derek Kurzweil. Uh, Derek is known for playing drums in Shadows Fall, a band called Seamless that featured Jesse from Killswitch Engage, a hardcore band called Unearth, and a bunch of other projects. And we not only talk about music, we talk about something very deep as Derek has gone through, uh, has battled some demons just recently out of rehab and we talk about his whole journey through music uh through drugs and now to the other side and we get pretty deep on this one so we hope you all dig it so here we go episodes 14 and 15 welcome Derek Kurzweil What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Just Joe Podcast. You just heard my intro. I got a very, very, very good friend, probably one of my closest friends that I made uh, during the days of Brand New Sin and on the road. Uh, Welcome, Derek Kurzweil. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm so stoked to have you on here. Between having Mercedes from Kitty last week. Mercedes a great friend of mine from back in the day. I know. uh, When I was with Shadow's Ball, in 2001, we and let's just talk about the fact that Mercedes and I have some awesome history due to the fact that like we played the last Pantera show ever at Beast Beast. No way. Yeah, Yokohama Arena, 2001. Oh. She was there, I was there, and uh, and they were awful. But um, <laughs> it wasn't they were awful. I mean, Phil was just out of it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they were. They were at the end. That was. There was a reason why Pantera ended at that moment. Yeah, yeah, but it was. It's just. So crazy to think we were there, but anyway, yeah, I'm sorry, Mercedes. No, I had her last week. I got you uh, on an upcoming. I'm going to have you know Jason Bittner, who's another good buddy of all of ours. Yeah, he's a uh, man. And then and then I think I got Skinny coming on from Mushroom Head. So it's like, man, I got oh, a man. love. I got a love for drummers because my fir- one of my first like um, music guests on here was was Matt Byrne. So oh, no kidding. Yeah. Because yeah, Matt's like, with Matt many times. He's yes, such a good dude. I, lo- I love Matt. So it's like I don't. I I realize I'm like I got a trend here. I think I've made friends with a lot of the drummers in all the bands. I don't know what it is. You have. <laughs> hey, do you remember this? T- I'm trying to remember this incident, and I'm. I swear it was you. Um, and it flashed in my head last week. Um, but did, was is it me or did I did I come out of like uh, of like backstage one time? I think you were visiting. I think you were visiting, um, we were out on tour with Non-Point. Yeah, yeah, you were at the Penny Penny Arcade in Rochester. Okay, yeah, and I came out, like, with no clothes on except my boxes, and (laughs) I was acting like an old-school boxer, right? You were. Yeah, I (laughs) said, that was you, right? (laughs) It was, yeah, because I came up to visit um, my friend Marcus, who was out with Silent Civilian, was on that tour. Oh, I love Marcus. He's a good dude. So we came up to, to visit him, and you were there, and... Uh, you know, and the non-point guys. So it's just it's one of those one of those nights. I things got real blurry that night for me, man. I just remember getting back in the car and pot, passing out on the way back home. So I think it got blurry for all of us due to the fact that I mean, I had hardly any clothes on, and I came out like it was nineteen twenties boxer. <laughs> I just like, literally ready to box you. <laughs> I, to- I totally forgot all about that. So, so uh, how we'll go back a little bit? How we met was. Um, you were in a band called Seamless, which was, you know, um, for for everyone out there, uh, probably the easiest way for them to get that to the Seamless was Jesse had left Killswitch Engage. Uh, yes, sir. And before he went back, you now he's back in Killswitch Engage, but um, he had a project with yourself uh, and yes. it was just a, a badass, just like, I, I mean, I can Seamless is just like a straight up, just in your face, like kind of like brand new sim, but we had a little more Southern 
influence twist where you guys had more of just like a you know straight in your face rock and roll? You yeah, know? I'd say you guys were more. Uh, hmm, yeah, you did have more of a southern swagger, um, and I think the other thing was like, okay, we were coming at it more like so. I wrote all those songs with this dude, P. Cortese, who used to yep. be in Overcast. Overcast, and it's still in, um, uh, what's his band now? What's the man? Death Ray Vision. Death Ray Vision, of course, with Mike. Yes, yes. He's a he's a brilliant guitar player. Oh, man, he's a character. Yes, too. he is. Uh, <laughs> he never got to tour with us because he couldn't leave his job and stuff. And that's when we would have Dave Pino come out and play bass, and then Jeff, and the Jeff, bass player, Jeff would split play over to... Guitar, which, which he's right? a ripping guitar player too. So he's a, he's a way better guitar player than bass player. But like the dude can play bass too. I mean, how many bass players have you had that were guitar players? Right? No, not many. Not many. So I, well, I mean, I've had a few though because Pete would play bass in my first band, but he was a guitar player. And then uh, you just can't find good bass players, no. but you can find guitar players no. that are like want to be in a band <laughs> and play bass. Right? They're like, well, I guess we'll play bass. I know. I was just yeah, listening, right, right. I was just like, listening to it. To be in the band, you yeah. know, but. He's such a great guitar player. Yeah, but so but really... that's that's how we met. We played a show together uh, at a place called Nothing Fancy in Vernon, New York. And it was us and you guys. Uh, and it was like you guys had just started playing shows. Um, Dude, Pete fell off the side of the stage that night, remember? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Jeez, oh. I think that was yeah, the night the bathroom backed ago. up in that place and there was like literally turds like floating down the hallway. That was a wild, wild night. But after that, we ended we end up doing handfuls of shows together. Whether here in Syracuse, I remember one time we played in uh, Hackensack, New Jersey together. Oh my God, I remember that. And That's John Costco close. from uh, from Dropbox and St. Cain, he was out that night. Yeah. So we, you know, we just we were just slugging it out, and like in, like as hard rock as we were, it's like people just didn't get it. You know, like we we wanted to like there should be no reason why we couldn't have just packed clubs like crazy, but you know, for some reason I guess we You know what's just... funny? I don't know about you guys, but I feel like that seamless is bigger now than when we were together. Like it's crazy the amount of people that uh, just out of nowhere will, you know, send me uh seamless um seamless, you know, Mess- uh, reference yeah. posts or um, you know, you know, screenshot, dude, listening to this sounds so good. Uh, you know, I, I just think that now we, we kind of get more appreciation than then. Yeah. And, I, and I feel way- the same with brand new sync. Cause I'm, I monitor the YouTube site and there's a lot of times that these people are like, Oh my God, who is this? And like, they're just discovering it. I'm like, dude, we're almost 20. This record came out like almost 20 years ago and you guys are just discovering. But that's a testament to the music that we made both in seamless and brand new sin that it wasn't, you know, you, you listen to certain music and you're like, yep, that's 1997. That reminds me of the early 2000s. Like, our music still translates now. It's like, it's really kind of timeless, you know? And Hallelujah, man. And that's all I wanted with that band, thank too, you. man. I agree. I agree. I think I, I think we did something good with that. We made it and I made that, but I think that's going to be a type of, you know, type of music that's always going to kind of, you can listen to it and it can still sound fresh. You know, still I like, think the other thing, that's what I was going to say. I think you guys have more of that, like, ladder COC Vibe, yes, where we were coming at it from, like only living witness. Yes. There's another band that was bigger now than when oh, they were around. God, you know? I and I didn't discover only living witness until after the fact. I just joined Brand New Sin, and Slider and I were driving around, and he put on Prone Mortal Form, and I go, uh-huh. I go, what the f- what the fuck is this? He goes, oh, <laughs> this is only living witness. I'm like, are they new? He's like, nah, dude. He goes, they were like. 
early mid nineties. They put out two records. They imploded, you know, and you know, he goes, just no one got it. <laughs> you know, they were way far ahead of their time. I think. Yeah, they were just part of that post-hardcore thing that, like, you know, nobody got quicksand either. I mean, there's a cult following for them, but they can never exist because they weren't generating enough profit, particularly when these major labels came in and said, oh, we're going to swoop this up, you know? <laughs> right. Um, uh, uh, Orange 9 Millimeter, yes. uh, uh, Failure, Big Wreck, like all these bands that I love, that I hold so dear to my heart. Yeah, but all, the, all those bands are starting to have like a, a resurgence. Resurgence, they are. And <laughs> Failure, so Failure's refreshed. back, Quicksand is back. I would love to see Orange 9 Millimeter come back. That was oh a, man, fuck that band so was so great. good and so yeah. good live. What was the what was the singer's name? Orange Nine, Shaka, Shaka. That's right. Yeah. I was I was just talking about them last week with Mercedes because I was telling Mercedes how I discovered Kitty, and I'm like, man, there was these bands that were on the label, the same label they were on, you know, Orange Nine Millimeter, and another band called Battershell that would play Syracuse all the fucking time. So we you know got to know all those cats. And they were the ones that, like, hey, well, you know, this is what else is got to hear these fifteen-year-old girls from Canada, and they gave us, this, yeah. you know, this CD or tape or something at that time. So, but man, that Mercedes, was, real quick, have you seen any of her wedding photos? I know, how beautiful that she fucking she, looks. She looks so gorgeous. She looks better now than when she was a kid. I like, know, I know. That's what I said. She, yeah, well, th- she's someone. Did you know that she hasn't? We'll get to this about you, but she hasn't drank in like six years. No way. Yeah, she doesn't drink anymore. Good for Hey, man, I'm telling you, 2020 is the year of sobriety. <laughs> I know. I don't, I, like Andy Dufresne from Shawshank Redemption said it best, man. comes down to one simple choice. Either get busy living or get busy get dying. Get busy dying, yeah. Simple as that. I mean, even I stepped away, and I think we'll, this will be a good segue into what we'll talk about you, is that I left Brand New Sin. And I've talked about this before. I left Brand New Sin and I immediately started like just playing my solo stuff. But I still had the mindset of like, hey, it's every night. I can drink every night. I'm going to drink for free every night. I'm going to get fucked up every night. And I did that for a year. Still back here. And I didn't like slow the fuck down. I didn't have any decompression time because I didn't have it. And then one one day, about a year or so after I left Brand New Sin, about a year and a, a, year and a few months, and I woke up one morning I'm like, yeah this isn't working for me anymore. And I stopped and I didn't drink for 18 months. And I didn't know if I was not going to drink forever. I didn't know that, you know, someone's like, well, when are you done drinking? I'm like, how long are you done for good? I'm like, I don't know. I go, I'm just going to see what's going on. And I kind of wanted to see two things. One, if I was really, if I really had a, a problem where I would have to address it via, you know, professional help, or if I was a product of my environment, you know, and you're doing a social experiment on yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, and I did it, and I, you know, in hindsight, I should have taken some professional advice. I did it on my own, and, you know, I I did it okay. I navigated, but um, I found out I was a product of my environment, and then 18 months later, I kind of, like, dabbled back in it, and ever since then, I've never really been, uh, I don't, I can't tell you last time, like, maybe once a year I get, like, tie one on, maybe, maybe once yeah. a year, 
I've never gone to the level that I used to go in Brand New Sin. And like, even this weekend, I had two beers at one gig and two beers at another gig. And that was a lot for me. <laughs> that you, was, you know. You don't have to disclose this information. Mike, no. Because I'm so transparent with my situation. And I'll explain why in a moment. But like, are you, did you ever have a problem with anything else like Coke? Or, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it, it, it was, I mean, I'd always smoked weed. I still do to this day, but not, you know, I don't smoke it every day. It's like, you know, everyone's well, wrong. Well, one thing about that, though, and that's not to discredit weed, but, man, I was not in rehab amongst the hundreds of people I've met in this world. There was never one that was there for weed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. I mean, that's... Uh, that's but, 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 I mean, I can't imagine. I was telling somebody the other day, like, somebody, like, goes there for weed. Like, all of us are, like, saying, talking about these, like, in groups, talking about these, like, major things that we've done and, like, gone through and, like... Because I can't imagine some like weed had like whoa like you, I woke remember, up one morning. Right, remember, like, remember, it was the movie Half Baked. They're like, you're fucking here for weed. Like, have you ever yeah. sucked dick I for never weed? Saw that. Oh my god, that would be hilarious. Like Bob Saget plays this coke addict in, in Half Baked. He stands up. He's like, you're here for weed? Seriously? So like, you ever suck dick for weed? Like, like. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. You know, that's so, so and, you know, it's that's so funny. So appropriate though. But I mean, it's, it's inappropriate. It's in it, but it's true, but, but um, I did get into, I did a lot of drugs in college, and it was like what you did in college. You experimented, you know, I did acid, I did coke. I mean, I experimented, but I never had a problem with it then. And then years later, I stepped away, and I didn't do any of those drugs anymore. And then as the years went on in Brand New Sin, I was kind of self-medicating, you know? Like, it wasn't a party anymore. I was kind of self-medicating because I was trying to keep back my panic disorder, my panic attacks, uh, my depression of being on the road, uh, you know, the depression of like just being in a, a van with dudes all, you know, it was, you, you know, this, I mean, all of us struggle with this and who's toured, it's, it's not a very good place to be mentally. So like, if you got any kind of mental problems, you're going to get a darker past. So then as the years when I'm a brand new sin, I was drinking, drinking, drinking. And then I started doing Coke and then I started doing a lot of Coke, but then it wasn't, I didn't have a cocaine problem per se it was alcohol with me cocaine was something that i could do so i could drink more <laughs> or i could uh, hang I out mean, i've heard or, this many times or I I, I could, right and i could or i could i could i could hang out longer you know right uh, yeah was, everybody talks about the party and right and it was know, the party yeah. aspect of that but then when i left brand new sin i kept the drinking up but i just stopped the coke and i haven't done i haven't done cocaine in years but uh the alcohol was 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 that thing but luckily i was able to navigate it to a point where um, I've become adult about it, and it wasn't luckily a problem. And I'm always, always super conscious about how I, you know, I will not drink if I have, um, you know, stress. I will not, you know, I will not drink if I'm depressed. I, I will only be in when I know it's in a good spot. Like some nights I'll just turn it down, even just to have one, because I, I'll know those things. Luckily, I'm that way. Not everybody can be that way, but that's how I navigate it. And... With you, now we'll segue into this, is like a few months ago, you kind of, you were very transparent on Facebook and you, you admitted that you went to rehab, that you had a problem, that you you and your wife were getting divorced. It was like all these things kind of came right out. And I kind of knew on the back end that you and your wife had problems in the past. You and I have been close enough to have that. I, in all these years, never knew that you had a substance problem. So that was a big, that was a big wow, you know? It wasn't completely. It, was everybody. it wasn't a complete surprise because I mean, fuck, we're in rock and roll, you know. I mean, I've seen, you know, it, it wasn't a complete one out there, but 
why don't you why don't you give a little backstory because this is this is the part of the the music industry and the music side that a lot of people don't see or they do see and they don't understand so i want to hear your story Let well and, and it is thank you and i appreciate it but here's the thing um I, i'm real. i just want you to know how much i appreciate hearing your story like i i have this new thing where i when i i remember when i was in a group like two weeks into rehab and like you live recovery from 6.30 in the morning to 10.30 p.m. every day. You have no connection to the outside world. You are in purgatory. It, it was awful. It's not supposed to be fun. Like, no. you're supposed to, you know, do this. If you want to be there, which I was one of a few people that wanted to be there, everybody else is court-ordered or dragged there from their, by their family or whatever. But when you surrender and you make the choice to, to, to take your life back, then it's not supposed to be fun. No. All right. What 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 was the biggest trigger? Was it was the the, the 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 enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Or was it just a combination of you know a culmination of the sound? Kind of like a lot of shit happened to you at one time. I'll listen to this, man. I, uh, all right, let me go backward a little bit. All First right. of all, I never touched a drug in my life. I was around drugs growing up. And uh, my parent, my father was a massive cokehead, not my stepfather. Um, it was um, it was a scary environment to be in. I'm a sensitive and emotional guy. Like, not sensitive to where, like, you're going to offend me. I'm sensitive as in, like, I- I'm empathetic. I- I- I'm compassionate. Like, I care about people, you know? Like, I love, love. I- 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 I'm like a heavy metal hippie, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but, um I never did drugs. I, drinking was never my problem. Still is not my problem. I will not drink now, but, I mean, the booze was never my problem. What happened was, I didn't even drink till my 21st birthday, brother. Like, <laughs> I used to be DD designated Derek. Like, I would drive my friends around. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me, yeah. And uh, I would not drink. Like, everybody knew I was... This is why it's a surprise to so many people, because they knew I was so militant in my approach about drugs and alcohol. I never wanted any of it. But at 33 years old, 33, I had a hernia operation. Ah. Yeah, you know where this is going. I know exactly where it's going, yeah. And I had three, four weeks of, like, uh, massive amounts and handfuls of Percocets, and I had never had them in my life. And, dude, they were awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, no doubt about it. And um, and, and that's where it all started. Now, that was 2003. I did not get on the road full-time until 2006. I was going to say so that. I, I had, like, this operation and all these Percocets, but then it was just like, oh, wow, that was awesome, cool, get out. Never even thought about it. Um, I mean, I always thought to myself, man, if somebody's got some extra ones, I'll take them. You know what I mean? Right. But I was so naive. I was never a drug guy. I didn't know about withdrawal. I didn't know about anything, man. Like, I was a, a like a little kid with this stuff because I didn't understand. Right. So fast forward, get on the road, right? First, first, you know, uh, when I was on the road with Seamless, I was I had been in corporate America. Um, I was an HR generalist for Hewlett Packard, and I had a very good job. I ended up with a killer severance. Like I was making money with unemployment and my severance while I was on the road, so I had nothing to worry about financially. And I, it was like take a shot. My wife was all here's the irony in all this too, by the way. And uh, my wife was like, I don't want us to be 50 years old and you look back and, like, resent me for not doing this. Because I never wanted to leave her at home. Right. I had many opportunities to join bands. 
I mean, I was in corporate America. My boss gave me a leave to go out with Shadows Fall. They offered me the gig before Bittner, <laughs> but I told them I couldn't do it. Right. right. I had a great job, and I didn't want to leave my wife at home. So that's how that all happened, right? Let's just go remember, I, I, I am, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a compassionate, I'm, a, I'm vulnerable at times, but I like vulnerability. It keeps you in your Yes, you know, keeps humble, you in check you know? and humble and, yeah, and present. Humility, man. But, yes. I, but, but this is what happened. I was out on the road, and once, like, my, like, finances start to, like, oh, dry up, and, like, and then I joined on Earth, and it was, like, like, my first show with on Earth, dude, like, we were, we were out with Seamless. We were, I, I'll never forget, we were out with Soil, and nothing against Soil, but the tour was just horrible. <laughs> we had three shows in the next five days. We're in South Carolina. You know, four people paid in Nashville, like 10 people paid in South oh. Carolina. Like, we're not even getting our $150 guarantee or whatever. Jesse uh, obviously has mental issues. Right. Uh, so he must have been a, yeah. He was, it was, he, there was no, I, I can't even tell you how him crawled in the back of the van in fetal position, like starting to relive his time before he left Hill Switch Engage. I'm like, this isn't worth like this isn't worth it. Like we let's just get out of here. Right. We're gonna lose how much money in the next like five days with three shows with like five people. Yeah. Um so we just packed up and left. On that drive home, while I was sitting there like I I don't know what I'm gonna do now. Like, what do I do? I get a call from Ken Susie, our player on Earth, and he's like, Hey, what are you doing next weekend? And I was like, I'm just actually sitting in the van trying to figure out what I'm going to do next weekend. Like, right. And he said, do you want to come to Madrid and uh, play with Pearl Jam and the used? in this?" Uh, so it was like 25,000 people, soccer stadium. That was my first gig with them, bro. <laughs> and then we went the next day and played Download Festival in the UK, like 15,000 people. And I came home and still was home in time. After leaving Friday to see the Sopranos like series finale, it was airing <laughs> on Sunday night, and uh, but uh, it was a whirlwind, and um, and that's where everything began with them. And they, they were happy, and they were just like, "Look, man, we would love for you to stay in the band." I stayed as a hired gun because I I wanted to get paid, right? And uh, I knew I could dictate what I got paid, and that I could have a drum tech and like some perfume and like get taken care of. But as soon as I joined the band, now I'm equal part, right? Right. But as we started writing the new record, the March, which I'm very uh, well, I've been stripped of all my pride. But I will say that I'm happy with that record. Right. Um, I, um, it, it, you know, that's where that all ha- like that's how that all happened. And I decided to join the band because now I'm emotionally invested. I'm making a record with them. I had worked on the Oncoming Storm with them, but not the whole album. Right. And I had consulted on three with them on the back end. That drummer didn't even know I was writing drum parts for him. You know. <laughs> Um, but then when the March buzz and I like wrote that whole record together practically, and I was really emotionally invested, I decided, okay, I should jump in. It's only fair also because I was getting paid more than they were at the time. And I just hoped that that record would help us get in a place that would be comfortable. Well, for me, man, and dude, you, you said it best. Like no one knows this life until you're in it it. for real. And you could tell every kid on the planet how it really is yeah. and that's still not going to stop no it's not i mean i have the i've had this conversation with a few other guests i'm like listen when someone comes up to me and asks me like i want to do what you want i want to do what you did or what you're doing now and 
and before we even talk about music, I talk about all these other things that could happen. You know, like, hey, do you got a wife? You got a girlfriend? Are you close with your family? Do you have a pro? Do you do drink? Do you do drugs? It's like, okay, so let's take all of that and just throw a grenade in the middle of it, all of it. And like, you're going to drink more. You're going to do more drugs. You're going to cheat on your fucking significant other. You're going to be estranged from your family and you're going to fucking make no money and all this stuff. And I go, I hope you're mentally prepared for that. You know, and you know what's most crazy? of us aren't. I don't think no, any of us are, really. I know you. You know me. Like, we've had a really, like, dude, we connected from the get-go. Yeah. I feel like I've known you for my entire life. Likewise. And we don't even get to see each other that much. <laughs> right. But when we do, man, it's 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 family. It's right. not, it's not, like, you know, we reminisce every so often, but we have some crazy stories. Yeah. But even, like, you know, but we're all about, like, I, I just, I really value our friendship. Never mind, like, I, I just feel like you're a force when it comes to your creative self and like what you do with other people's songs and your voice is just incredible. Thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah. Yeah. So you, this is when touring really became the thing for you. And like you were in a band that was, you know, successful in that genre of music. And now here comes the dark side, right? Yeah. So this is the deal. Like in seamless, there was still, there was a innocence. Like I didn't have to worry about money. I, uh, um, I was, I was, it was exciting. It was new. It didn't matter. Like, and it still was on its way up, right? Right. But as soon as that crashed, now you're like, oh, fuck. Like, we can't do what other bands do and keep churning. No. For no reason, right? Right. So what happened was I joined on that. that's playing to thousands of people all the time out of nowhere, right? I was not part of their progression. Right. I'm a, I, I would say that I was free. I was borderline fragile on the road. And one day I just realized, like, I got to go home. So we were, on, like, we were on a really big, like, first one of the first tours for the march. And I was like, I'm fucking out of here. I can't handle this. Like, it, I knew my days were numbered on the road anyway because it wasn't me. Like, everybody, Jamie Jostin used to call me the nicest guy in metal, right? <laughs> and, and, and I really, I, I was. Like, I was no, I got, I'm just picturing was, Jamie saying that. It's kind of funny. It's, Yo, uh, bro, nicest guy <laughs> in metal. Yeah, while he's doing whatever, you know? Right. And uh, so, I, um, but I had worked on records with him on the back. Or like, I was all about making records. But, man, I, I, I hated being on the road. Like, I loved traveling and I got to a point where I would just like, fuck everybody, man. Like, I'm going to explore Copenhagen today yeah. where everybody else is just hanging on the bus or backstage. Like, we could be in Pittsburgh. Like, nobody right, knows right. the difference. Like, we may, never, we may never be here again. I remember I when, we went to, when we went to Dublin and everyone was hungover from Belfast. I didn't care how hungover I was. I'm like, I'm in Dublin. This might be the only time in my entire lifetime I'm going to be in Dublin. I'll be damned if I'm going to sit on this bus and do nothing all day. 
And by the way, have you ever gotten back to Dublin? No. <laughs> okay, so they, your, your theory was absolutely correct. I may and, not and, get and, back and, there. I don't know yet. That's how, I, that's how I always looked at it. So I started, you know, trying to entertain myself, but that was also like a self-medication. But, man, when you know more than anyone, when you're in the States and you're doing tours, it's not like being in Europe or anywhere no. else in the world. Like, when you're in Lima, Ohio, in the middle of fucking nowhere, <laughs> and literally playing a farm, and you're like, there's nowhere to go, nothing to do. And, and, and for an hour a day, that life is great, right? We're playing a show, and it's amazing. And, and, and But there's 23 other hours in a day sure over is. and over again with the same guys. And you're in this uh, in the, in a literal rolling coffin is all you have the space to live. And, 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 and I, didn't, I didn't have, like, made, I had gone through anxiety and depression in my 20s. I'd kind of already gone, gotten over all that, but there were things that were happening that I was just like, uh, I, it was just such a, I couldn't do it, man. Like, I just wanted to be home with my wife. Anybody that knows my, me and my wife, like, knows 23 years I've been with that girl, and they know that we are a power couple and that, like, she was sacrificing a lot as much as I was to be gone, but, like, it doesn't matter. Like, nobody knows what it's like until you're thrust into that world. Correct. And, and, and then when you're there, you're stuck, and it's the most terrifying feeling that I've ever had. Well, no. I mean, actually, going up to rehab was pretty terrifying. Yeah, I was but, say. Uh, I'll get there. Um, but, but this is how it all started. Okay. I go to my tour manager. Uh, yeah, hey, man. Um, I got to go home. Okay, we have, uh, it was like a House of Blues style tour. So you're talking about, you know, 750 to 2,000 people a night tour. Yeah. Uh, you know, Harpo's was in there, stuff like that. Those yeah, places. so you're a decent sized tour. Real decent good tour. tour. We had like big bands, open bands that are huge now were opening for us. Like, it was uh, exciting. It was the, like one of the first tours on the record. So, like, the cycle was just starting. And here it is, another drummer that they have is like ready to fucking, like, <laughs> you know, lose it and leave, you know? So we said, I remember, I remember clear as day, like, dude, you're going to, like, you do realize you're going to affect thousands of dollars and thousands of people and, and a crew of guys and, and, and a band. Like, is there anything I can do for you? And I do remember saying, um, you know, I had an operation a few years ago and like, I got these things. I was so naive, dude. I didn't even know. I was like, Vicodin, Percodin, Percocet. He's like, oh, bro. Don't even worry. I got you. Look under your pillow at the end of the night. And I played, came back, couldn't sleep again that night. And he's like, I told you to look under your pillow. Looked under my pillow. There was a script. And then yep. anytime I needed one, there was another one. And yep. anytime I needed one, uh, the Percocet Fairy threw more Percocet <laughs> under my pillow. And, um, and I, and, and I be, that's where I, be, you know, began, like you did, self-medicating. Yeah. Like it was the only way I could find comfort. I couldn't sleep when the bus was moving. I couldn't sleep when a plane was moving. Uh, uh, so let's talk about uh, leaving uh, Nagoya, Japan on uh, my last Japanese run. And I went from Nagoya to Tokyo, Tokyo to Kuala Lumpur, Kuala Lumpur to Frankfurt, Frankfurt to Chicago, Chicago to New York, New York to Boston. 37 hours I was in the air. Oh. The long, the long way. <laughs> How, yeah, yeah. That's three quarters you know, of the way around the globe right there. Right, but you know when you're—I don't know if you, a lot of people don't know this either—but when you're on a tour, like as long as you're going in one direction, so we went the other way to get there because we were out in California, I think, before that. So we flew from Cali to Japan, 
But now, in order to keep the flights cheap, you got to keep going that direction. <laughs> I didn't know that. Jesus yeah. Christ. So oh. that's why that happened. But, dude, imagine almost two days. I mean, that was a literal day and a half. Like, how do you mentally deal with no. that when you're, when you're uncomfortable to begin with and you just want to be home? Oh. So it's, it, it, that's where it all started. Now what was happening is I'm taking pills on the road. And I'm, you know, getting home, and and then I'm like, uh, getting sick. Like I thought I kept having the flu, but I was like mentally feeling awful, which is not like me. Like starting to head into depression and stuff, which I had like staved off for so long, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, a friend of mine, I can't remember who it was, but I was talking to somebody that was a tr- obvious drug person, and they were like, "Dude, it sounds like you're having withdrawals." Like, didn't you tell me you've been taking Percocets, like, your whole tour? And I was like, yeah, but what's that mean? <laughs> and then they told me. And then they're like, the only way to get rid of that is to take more. Right. And then that's what I started doing. <laughs> well, and then, like, or, yeah. or do what you're supposed to do and get clean. So, right. Fuck it, we'll just take more Percocets, whatever. <laughs> right, but, I didn't, but, but dude, the, whole, the, the, the worst part about pills and the, and, the, and the problem, like, let's keep in mind, this was mid-late 2000s, which is whole, totally different than knowing there's an epidemic. Oh, now, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you justified it in a way like people get prescribed these things. It's not that bad. Right. They're not addictive. And this, uh, and this is why we have a giant heroin problem in this country now. Uh, okay, so let me fast forward here okay. because I'm probably going to like kind of surprise you a little bit. But. No, I, yeah, you're not going to surprise me. I, already yeah. s- I, know, I know where this is going, so go yeah, ahead. Yeah, but I, I want to hear it because this is why we're here. Yes, well, um, so then, you know, okay, so I walk away from my dream. I leave the road. Uh, Dealing with that alone, I don't know what you went through in that process. Like, we're going to stop. Like, we have to. But here we are. We have this thing that 0.001% of people get, no matter what level you're at. Right. Like, we have it. Like, we can keep going. But, But you can't because there's five dudes, and, like, if one of you is off, like, there's a problem, you know? So, all right, let's, uh, so unearth, I get, this was put in the press as amicable split, um, but they kicked me out of the band, like, and I'm admitting that for the first time ever in, like, a public forum. Right. Um, they kicked me out. Now, I, it, it, we were not getting along in terms of, like, writing the new record. It wasn't going to happen. Like, I was not happy. Um, and we were on that last tour with As I Lay Dying, All That Remains, Us, Carnifex, and Born of Osiris. Great tour. We had a really good tour. But during that tour, another thing happened that I think contributed was that Trevor saw me trying to cop pills from somebody on the street in in Canada, and he was worried. Like, he was like, dude, what are you doing, you know? Yeah. Um, So I think it was a culmination of, like, a couple things. Like, you know, I was uh, butting heads with them writing-wise, which definitely happened. But I think they knew, like, I was going down a bad road and they had had that problem with someone previously, and that person couldn't even get to a show one time. It was like a, and that's when they got kicked out of the band, okay? So they were they were trying to nip something before it got to that point. Correct, and I don't blame them at all. Like, it, it, I get it, you know? Of course, I was defensive because I didn't think I was an addict. I didn't think I had a problem. I didn't. I was too good for that, you know? Right. I'm fucking cool. I'm Derek Kurzweil. Right. Because on the road, another thing, I don't know if this happened to you, but I started, because I was so fragile and like 
not that life. Like, you get to a point where you're like, okay, well, let's self-medicate, and I'm going to start being a hard-ass because I'm going to get swallowed up if I'm not. I can't be the nicest guy because you just get taken advantage of or treated like shit all the time. Right. You have to turn into a salty, you know, somewhat... I, I was like a loose cannon, dude, and it's not me, you know? So, all right, fast forward back. Um, I'm off the road. Uh, I walked away from my dream. Uh, I got kicked out of the band, but then I auditioned for the sword, which a lot of people don't know. I didn't know that. Yeah, I auditioned for the sword like a week after I got kicked out. Like, that was the first thing that happened. But uh, on the back burner, I had a tour in Europe lined up with the ghost inside because they had lost their drummer. So what I ended up doing was um, uh, uh, auditioning for the sword. They wanted me to play, but they wanted me to move to Austin. I was like, I'm not. I just learned the whole set on the plane. I don't need to be there. But they run their band like a business. Yeah, they do. And and I really admire that, but like, a great band band too. Oh, they're amazing, but but it's 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 difficult for them to have somebody out of town. So I totally get it, and they're great guys. And like, I thought just to be able to play with them at all was like so incredible, you know. So I came home and I I committed to that tour in Europe with the Ghost Inside, and then after that, I was like, I'm done. Like, I can't do this anymore. We just talked about it. I brought it up, and uh, Derek was pretty surprised. This one is Seamless' second record. It's called What Have We Become? A lot of people dig that first record, but this one gets really deep if you want some just just sludgy, dark-ass, some rock and roll with some great vocals. Check it out. What Have We Become by Seamless? 